On today's episode of Locked On 76ers, Philadelphia picks up game one of the Eastern Conference playoff matchup against the Brooklyn Nets. What do they need to do in game two tonight to make it a 2-0 home sweep before heading the road to Brooklyn? We'll get into it all next recap Saturday right here, Locked On 76ers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com slash promo code locked on what's up d what's going on man start of a new week playoffs are finally here we got a game in the books over the weekend looking forward to game two tonight yeah it should be uh interesting let's just say <laughs> yeah it should be should be see how the counters and all the uh uh day off and what the, the teams are looking at scouting wise the coaching staff to see where they can figure out maybe some some advantages some changes they want to make for going into game two but before we get started we got Say welcome to everybody. I'm Devon Gibbons from 97.5 The Fanatic. Welcome to Locked On 76ers. That's Keith Pompey, my partner, as always, from the Inquire.com Sixers beat writer extraordinaire. We thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76ers is free and available on all platforms, including right here on YouTube at Locked On 76ers. Well, Keith, a 20-point victory in game one for the Sixers. We'll get into uh, everything that took place later on. We'll also dive into what they need to do to continue and maintain uh, a, 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 a win at home in, in game number two of this best-of-seven series. And we'll also talk about some things on the Brooklyn side as well as uh, we see what they could potentially do to maybe try to turn things around for them before heading home looking for that split, which every team does when they're on the road. But Keith, again, 20-point victory. It was a very balanced attack, in my opinion. Joel Embiid, while he led with 26 points, it seemed like everybody had an impact in this game from all five starters. Tyrese Maxey a little bit, but I'll say all five starters because he had some big shots in the second half from three. And then I'll also point out the bench unit uh, being able to come in and really – have their mark on the game. Every player did something uh, in the game for Doc Rivers' club off the bench. So uh, those are, are just quick observations for me. Of course, we'll break it all down, talk back and forth about it. But uh, what, what were your observations from this one in game number one on Saturday afternoon? You know, I, I think um, the, the main observation was the, the, well, the first thing that stood out to me um, was how well the bench played. Um, I felt like early on, you know, the Sixers were struggling a little bit to get their shot. They weren't really shooting the ball particularly well. And the first guy that came in was DeAnthony Melton. The next, you know, they brought in George Niang and Jalen McDaniels. And they they provided instant offense. I mean, they were hitting nice threes. They got them like a little bit off the snide a little bit. And then all of a sudden, it just seems like the team followed suit. Also, they, they typically struggle when Joel Embiid is on, on the bench, and they held their own when Joel was out of the game. So, you know, there's a lot. Like, James Harden was phenomenal. You know, Tobias Harris was phenomenal. Um, but to me, 
the bench was probably the biggest question mark heading into the playoffs and that their play stood out the most to me. And, and to your point, Keith, uh, when we talked about what the rotation may be, how deep Doc Rivers may go to his bench, maybe going 10 deep, possibly uh, with Shake Milton and, and even Daniel House in the mix with the nine. I mean, with yeah, with the 10 there with, with those two guys stretching it to 11. The nine was pretty locked in uh, from what we talked about from Reed, McDaniels, Niang and Melton in no particular order. Just those four being the players. Were you surprised that they were the only four? And even though Daniel House got logged technically a minute in the game? No, I wasn't at all. I mean, that's something that we kind of talked about, you know, before. Um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, yesterday we talked about it on, mm-hmm. on, on Sunday. You know, I, I feel like, you know, those are the guys who right now deserve the play. I mean, they fit in well. You know, some people might say, well, what about Shake? The problem is when you reduce that bench, you look at Shake Milton, I think he deserves to play. He really deserves to play. But you're going to have the ball in Harden's hands. You're going to have – and he's going to play 40 minutes typically. And then you have Tyrese Maxey when he's not in there and and uh, and uh, the Anthony Melton. So, unfortunately, he's kind of like a luxury to have right now. Someone, if you need him, he'll play. But we look at these other guys and the, and the, and the versatility that they bring and George Niang shooting – you have to say that this have to this has to be their rotation, and it's not surprising to us at all because these ten guys who played are basically the ten guys who played the latter stages of the season. And it's not that Shake Milton has done anything wrong; Mm-mm. it's just more of there's no room for him right now, uh, unless Doc Rivers sees a spot. Same way with Daniel House; he's probably not going to get time unless Doc Rivers sees a moment where he calls his number and Daniel House will be on the floor with his team. Other than that, I, I just don't see either of those two. But I thought that it was it was good to see the, the, the four coming off the bench and once again have that production. When you talked about DeAnthony Melton, six was struggling to hit from the outside. As soon as he came in, he had a three-pointer uh, for, for the sixes. We know how streaky he is, but hitting that three-pointer in the big spot early where they were trading baskets with Brooklyn – that was a key moment there in the first quarter. George Niang also had one. I believe he stretched it to 20 to 16 with his three-pointer. And they were going back and forth with Brooklyn. So you saw early that at least they had their shots. And 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 then they fell. And then they eventually went on to have a record in the playoff game, right? 21 made three-pointers in the game. Good volume of shots, over 50% from three. And they shot the, just simply shot the ball extremely well. Uh, from beyond, and a part of that was because George Niang and DeAnthony Melton found a way on the floor, knocked him down. Jalen McDaniels had one, also in the key spot for the Sixers in that uh, in that second quarter, I think it was, a second, no, third quarter for, for Jalen McDaniels, and their roles were definitely felt in game one. What did you see from the starters, man? Everybody, as you mentioned, phenomenal. James Harden, Tobias Harris, and B was just regular with his 26 uh, but I but I did think overall he played a good game. He was just regular. He didn't have to go off for 36. He played 26, got to the free throw line. He was perfect from the foul line. As a team, they shot 16 for 16. And the only one that you had a few questions was really offensively, and that was Tyrese Maxey. He finished with 13, but he hit a couple of threes in, in the uh, more opportune time for the Sixers when they needed it. And everyone, I thought, overall played a, a good game as far as the starting five is uh, as, 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 as far as the starting five goes. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, you look at Tobias Harris, he was aggressive. He was attacking. He he took advantage of the opportunities that um, were provided. You know, like, yes, Max, he was a little erratic at times, but, but at the same time, you know, I, if, if you're, if you're uh, Doc Rivers, you're going to call him Brett Brown. If, if you're Doc Rivers is one of those things. If I could have PJ Tucker driving, uh, grabbing five offensive boards, yeah. and getting five steals and hitting two threes. And I live with a erratic Maxi, knowing that he'll hit the big shots when need be. You know, when, when you talk about James Harden, I, I kind of like the way he played as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like that stretch that he had in the second, in the second quarter basically opened up everything for everyone else because they were doubling Joe. Joe was just kicking it to him and he was just raining step back three. So, you know, it's one of those things. If the 76ers, even the way Maxi played uh, at times, if the 76ers can bottle that up and come out and play every game that way, they're going to sweep the series. I mean, not just the series; they're going to go far in the playoffs. So, if I, I felt like the uh, the starting unit, they had a solid game. Now, again, they started off and they were struggling. If we guys say that the starters were struggling, they were shooting like 30 percent right? The starters. But then as the game progressed, they started settling down and start, you know, making big shots. I, I thought the other important part for me, Keith, was two, as far as ball handling goes. Uh, did not turn the ball over only nine times. Did they turn the ball over? That was key. And then you also had the fact that they had 42 made baskets and they had 32 assists. That's a formula for them. They they all They always have the formula of Joel Embiid and what he can do and how dominant he can be and how much pressure he'll put on a team. But when they're playing like that and they have balance that way, where the score is, what, six players in double figures, three with 20-plus, and you had the guys coming off the bench the way that they were playing, even though they didn't hit double figures, if you're sharing the basketball, 32 for 42 on assist, that's pretty darn good. That is their formula for success. And I know some people felt that way when they played without Joel Embiid, that the the ball moves differently, the high turnover numbers, et cetera. Well, you saw that on Saturday. You can win that way. This is where when we're talking about in the playoffs, the sacrifice that we talked about in the beginning of the season and even during the season to get to the 54 wins, if you're willing to sacrifice individual performance for that type of basketball to be played, this is why we talk about them as being one of the better teams in the NBA with the chance to actually, to your point, go deep and maybe even still be playing in mid-January. Yeah, yeah. They just got to bottle it up for game two. They can't get overconfident because, uh, you know, typically the the game two is normally the toughest game because you got the one team that lost and they want to come out and show what they can do. And the other team sometimes get a little bit complacent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're not going to get complacent here. We'll come right back and we'll get into the Brooklyn Nets side of things to your point, Keith, and talk about how they feel like maybe they can come back out there on the floor on Monday night and try to shock the world again and knocking this team off in game two. Make those adjustments and see what they could do. We'll get into that next right here on Locked On 76ers. You know what, D, in the last week of the regular season, I had a game a night where I said to myself, I'm going to take Luka Donich to score more than 26.5 points. LeBron James had more than 7.5 rebounds. 
Kevin Durant to make less than six foot five assists and Steph Curry to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made, right? So the thing about it is when you talk about prize picks, what you do is you pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less than their prize pick projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you and the projections available. Prize pick offers projections on any sport that you can watch, right? Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They're safe and fast withdrawals. So how do you go ahead and sign up, you ask? Download the Prize Pick app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Pick will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Pick will give you $50. Don't forget the end of the promo code locked on as sign up for an instant deposit matchup to a hundred dollars. Welcome back. Thanks for making locked on 76ers your first listen every day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show. We'll be recapping game number two and seeing if Brooklyn has made their adjustments to take game two and make sure they split in that first two matchups or if the 76ers move on to Brooklyn for Thursday night's game with a 2-0 lead. We'll get into all of that tomorrow, of course. But, Keith, the Brooklyn Nets, to your point, outside of uh, Mikhail Mikhail Bridges dropping uh, 30 points in the game, Keith, he was tremendous. He had 23 in the first half, only seven in the second half. And largely, sure, we give credit to the Sixers for some adjustments defensively. But this is where we talk about making adjustments. Why didn't Brooklyn do more to get him the basketball after he was rolling the way that he was in that first half? Why did they go away from him? And then secondly, outside of Cam Johnson, is anyone else going to step up and help Kale out? You know what? This is it's crazy because, you know, I looked at it. I think Tobias did a pretty good job, like with the denial. He did put it this way. He did a better job against – uh, Mikel than um, the other two dudes did when they were in there, right? Like they were, they they were like, I mean, he was doing whatever. But I also think that, like you said, the Brooklyn Nets could have done a, a better job. Like I think where we are right now with the Brooklyn Nets is that this is a team to me that they're saying at this particular time that we don't have any superstars. We got a balanced attack, and we're going to play this way. Well, yesterday was one of those days where you spread the floor, you give Mikel the ball, and you just let him go to work. You know what I mean? Because he only got he had seven points, but he only had like two shots. shots. That was it. And he had and he was two for two. <laughs> so 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 it's like one of those things where he needs opportunities to, to get bacon, get people in foul trouble, get to the foul line. And what that does is you know, that's going to have people doing more double teams, doing other things, and he can kick it out. He's an unselfish player. And then you get shooters on the floor, and they're just going to rain threes, right? So when you look at that, you you say, and you also looked at, they shot around 60% from the foul line, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you look at it, and you, and you come back, and you say, yes. Could they have done a lot of things better? Yeah, of course. But the, my thing is, 
you are absolutely correct. It was a point where, in my mind, I felt like they were too focused on saying we are a balanced attack than studying the room or letting or, the hot hand keep yeah. staying hot. Yep. yep, yep, exactly. And I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Yeah. So, so some of the adjustments are, are in my opinion, of course, to continue to allow Mikhail to do the things that he did. But, yeah, also get others involved by calling more plays in that way. But they, they didn't shoot poorly. They turned the ball over. That was a big part of their problem. They turned the rock over. And uh, I believe the Sixers had, what, close to 19 more field goal attempts than the Brooklyn Nets did. So that's, that's not going to be easy for you to overcome that when you turn the ball over. They're scoring on that end. Then they have to – Brooklyn also has to keep a body on guys because you mentioned P.J. Tucker with five offensive rebounds. Paul Reed had two. The Sixers overall, uh, they had double-digit offensive rebounds, and they dominated in that category 21-3 to in second-chance points. So that's another thing that they're going to have to do. Look, there's just not enough talent for Brooklyn, so they're going to have to play as close to perfect as they as they possibly can in order to, to beat the 76ers. And part of it is when you have a hot hand, he's the number one guy, Got to let the number one guy to continue to score, but the others are going to have to find a way to get more involved too. It's not like he's it's not like he's just hogging the basketball. We've seen where that can happen, and that can be a problem for for uh, the opposing team for that team. That was not the case. It seemed like, as you said, trying. You know, they were they were very very conscious of trying to have the others get going too, and as a result, it, it may have backfired on them in a bit. So. They, they need to protect the basketball. They need to keep a body. These are things that we've talked about for the Sixers for so many years, but they're not talented. They're not as talented as the Sixers where they can have those kind of mistakes and have them hovering over them in that game and still win that particular basketball game. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm with you. Man. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happened. And, and with it, in our final segment here on the other side, We'll break down some things that we need to see uh, from both teams uh, in there, but specifically the Sixers to pick up game two at home tonight. Game two of the Eastern Conference corner final matchup. First round Sixers and Nets. Sixers take game one. Nets looking to rebound and even up the series before heading back to Brooklyn. Game two can always be a treat, man. So we'll get into that next right here. Locked on 76ers. But as we are here and we are in the middle of April now, feeling good the weather's starting to break a little bit we'll have some a few cool days again but overall the weather's starting to break so you're feeling good you're definitely within your training you've already trained since the new year to get your body right and sometimes you just need a snack on the late night or at, at work during you know a, a downtime you might feel like you need a snack there late night after dinner or after a workout and you're looking for a delicious snack but you don't want all the sugar and the calories right then you need the best tasting protein bar that's built. You got to try it. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise the taste, I'm big on it. Got it. It has to taste good. I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. The Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing you won't think they're good for you. You got to try it. And look, they come in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. That's what makes them so good. And then they come in these unbelievable flavors. Cookies and cream, my favorite, churro, 
and peanut butter brownie. And now, even with, you know, 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein, now you don't even need to wait for your box by ordering just on built.com. You can still do that. However, for years, we've been telling you about that way just on the website, where now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors still. Again, at built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, coconut puff. If Sam's Club is your choice, run in, grab that 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You'll thank me later. All right. Welcome back. Locked on 76ers at the Keith Pompey. I'm Devon Givens. Keith. What are some matchups or what are some keys tonight that you're looking for in game two? You know, I mean, actually, I want to see how they the, – the big thing is is maybe not so much a matchup, but I just want to see how they're going to deal with Joel Embiid again. I mean, because they doubled him, but they really struggled with him being at the elbow, trying to double him in the middle. I want to see how they can – what are they going to do? How are they going to adjust to that? That's my biggest thing. And then, you know, it is also, you know, but it's also when a team play shoots the ball as bad as it did from like the foul line and yeah. and gives up like the as many offensive rebounds they have. Sometimes you look at it and you say to yourself, like, was it bad at just how many adjustments do we have to make or do we just have to play with more energy? You know what I mean? So do we have to identify that Mikel Bridges needs more touches? So to me, is really what Jock Vaughn does. Like, what's his game plan? Like, you know, are we are we just going to go at it again and just play with more energy, or are we just going to make some wholesale changes? I don't think they really need to make a bunch of changes. It's just that they got to do more, play more be- better fundamental basketball, in my opinion. Protecting the basketball is a big part of that, <laughs> and they had – a number of turnovers that led to a lot of Sixer points. The one for me on the other side for the Sixers, Keith, is to your point again, how will Joel Embiid handle those double teams coming again from every angle immediately? They didn't care. They were just sending the guys right away. He handled it pretty well for the most part. He had the two turnovers. They were not good. And I can count two other times where I thought he didn't handle it well. But he played 35 minutes you know, in the game. So overall, with what those two turnovers – that's pretty good. Still getting 26, got to the free throw line 11 times, shot a decent percentage as well. So I thought he played played a good game. He played an unselfish game where he found his teammates. The other part, Keith, for me is, can we see Tyrese Maxey again be more than a 13-point-per-game score? Um, he he wasn't a problem. It's not. I'm not saying it like that. I just want to see if he gets on track. There was the length that we talked about between Finney Smith and Kale that – he may struggle with some of that. He had a couple of big shots in the second half He he uh, from three-point range, and he ended up in double figures. But he just doesn't seem like the explosive maxi that we've been talking about all season long that really just has his imprint on the basketball game. So he is one that I'm really focused on to see how he comes back in game two. We saw him yesterday at practice where he, Melton, and Harden were shooting, and um, – they were shooting in this round, basically like an around the world behind a three-point line drill. And he was drilling them. Uh, I, I want to say he won. Uh, and based on how we saw it, because of how you advance to each spot, 
around the perimeter. And I'm very curious to see if, if, if he's able to make shots from the perimeter, if that instead opens up his driving and finishing at the basket, or if he is able to use that speed, get to the basket early, and then again, that opens up his outside shooting potential later on. Yeah, it does. You know what? I, I felt like, at least early on, like he had some good looks. I felt like, you know, it's the playoffs. I, I felt like he was a little sped up a little bit. Like he sped himself up. Like he was like going 100 miles an hour. Which he always he does. Like, yeah, he, he does. But, but he can it slow like it down he, too. Yeah, but it's like, you know how like there's certain people, they go quick, but they go at their, but that's their speed. So it's, it's fast but it's like they can still get the shot. To me, I felt like he was faster. And it's like when he would shoot the ball, it was kind of like, you know what I mean? And it was like kind of like everything was coming too fast. I just want him to – I think that he could just relax a little bit, just go out there and be like, yo, I know this is the playoffs, um, but I play at a a fast pace all the time. I don't have to speed it up. Maybe for some other cats they do. But for me, I play at that pace. And I just felt like he was, like, forcing things a little bit. And that's why you can see some of the shots. They were going off the side of his arm, I mean, hand sometimes. You know what I mean? It was, just wasn't crisp. But, again, as you pointed out, when he, when they needed to make big shots, he made yeah, them. Yeah, he did. He made them. Like, I'm not, I'm not really – I'm not worried. I'm not really, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm watching for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be honest with Jobby, I, I know he might not like this, but like again, it's one of those things, especially for right now. Like, if I'm Doc Rivers, you know, it's like, hey, look, you might average, you might get 13 points. Now, again, you want him to do more, but you might get 13 points. But you got to keep Tobias in 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 a tuck engaged because you know what's going to happen with Maxi after a while, but you got to keep these two guys engaged. You understand? Yeah, and, and Tobias, I thought, was really aggressive. Uh, saw some opportunities on the low block, and he went at guys. He didn't back away. He was battling for offensive rebounds where he was really digging in right in front of us, Keith. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he played really well, and you do have to keep them engaged. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. You got to keep them engaged because that's going to be the thing, man, those two. Those two, you got to keep them engaged because what's going to happen is the more touches that they get, the more that they do, they're going to do the things like, you know, especially Tobias, more touches than all of a sudden that that give energizes him on a defensive end. And believe me, you're going to need him to play defense. Uh, you're going to need him to, to, to have confidence and do all these other things, you know, because of, you know, Mikael Bridges is a tough matchup for all of them. All right. Well, listen, man, it should be a fun one. We thank everybody for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Every day is again tomorrow on the show. We will recap game two and see where things stand after two games of this first round matchup between the Sixers and Nets. Keith, where can the good folks find us? You can find us anywhere you want to find us. Like, nah, you, like what you do is like, like, like D just said, um, you could go anywhere where you get this podcast at. You can get locked on 76ers podcast. But also make sure you follow us on our YouTube channel. When you go to the YouTube channel, click on the Liberty Bell. When you click on the Liberty Bell, you become a new subscriber and you get notifications when our uh, when our podcasts come out. 
But make sure you listen to my man D tonight on the Divine Giving Show. He's going to be there from 6 to midnight. I know you're saying, hey, what's going on? Well, what he's going to do is he's going to be on there from up until the start of the game, 6 o'clock to the start of the game. And then after the game, he's going to come on and and, and do the post-game show. So you're going to get a double whammy. And in between, you can listen on the radio at the game. And then afterwards, make sure you go to our podcast, right? You go to our podcast the next morning and listen. But follow D on, t- on Twitter at DivineG975. You can follow me on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers. And then you can read my articles in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Inquirer.com. Well, man, look forward to seeing you later on tonight and uh, see what see what happens because uh, uh, this is this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. A nice little game to see how I can't wait for the chess matches again. The adjustments. Yeah, exactly. To the adjustments. That's what it's all about. Exactly. That's what it's all about, brother. We're going to we'll see. We'll see. Yes, indeed. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow after game two. Thanks, Keith. Peace, brother.